live from Savage Studios. It's Stay Busy with the boy, Armand Savage. Nine plus ten. Twenty-one. Now this is not episode twenty-one, but it is episode ten. But that that, that was a really lame leading. But hey, hi, Abdul. My I name is Armand. It's cool. It's okay. It's okay. I, I thought I had something. I thought, hey, you you don't I make. I want to say nineteen. I'm like, this is yeah. Not, this is a Twitter challenge. You know what? Challenge of my Twitter knowledge. You don't. You're not gonna make 100 percent of your shots, and that's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Stay Busy with the Boy Armand Sather. I'm clearly charged up. I'm so charged up that I'm messing up my jokes. This is this is episode 10 energy. Episode 10 energy. Okay, now I'm still vegan chorizo poppy. Multiple miles poppy. I, I did 10 today. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty crazy. Dude, 10 miles. 10 miles today. Wait, 10 miles below 10. 10. Yeah, see you see you you see the vision. You see the vision. Look, look at up. And I'm excited. I don't do this alone though. Y'all know I got my boy with me. How you feeling, Carlos? What's up, y'all? How you feeling today? My name is Nick Early, executive producer and co-host and Stay Busy. We are having a great, great time here. We are excited because we have an amazing guest. Armand, give this guest the proper introduction that he deserves. So our guest ain't just anybody, all right? This is the multi-talented gentleman, TMTG for short. All caps, though. You, 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 can't, you can't lowercase that. All caps. All caps. But, but no cap in his rap. Bang. <laughs> Graphic designer, art director, writer, photographer, videographer, host, label guy, king of all trades. He designs logos and visuals for artists, brands, and businesses across the country. Hosts Honest Here. He hosts and created Honest Here, his own show for artists where they submit their music. And it's judged on five categories on his YouTube channel. It's great. He does his thing. He handles art direction for some great podcasts. I call these our brother podcasts. They've been super supportive to us. What's a good guy and imaginary players. And recently, he he didn't design just any cover art, but he designed the cover art for the one of the biggest songs of the year, the whole lot of Choppers remix by Sada Baby featuring Onika, Nicki Minaj, baby. Fun side note: this hey, man, hey. this man be balling. He hooped in Nike's Battle of the Real Jaha, representing Team Ghana. That's a fact. He be out here. <laughs> He's a true hooper, and so for the first time in the busy bubble. <laughs> the busy boy. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my guy, uh, uh, an inspiration to me, Kojo Dodson. What's up, man? How are you? My guy, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Oh, the intro, I loved it. I loved it. Oh my god, yes, sir, that was, that was beautiful. I appreciate y'all for having me. Fan of the show. Um, you guys are doing great things. I'm just happy to hear. I'm be here. Obviously, uh, I want to see if I can contribute to another great episode of Stay Busy. Oh, we we know you will, and like. Man, I, I, one thing I want to do before we get into things, I want to recap our weeks. Like, uh, I, I had a really good week, and you know, I, I think we can all say like it hasn't been an easy year. 
And so you really got to you really got to hold on to those good weeks that you have. Um, and I think sometimes we, we can feel guilty about something good happening to uh, happening to us within, you know, these COVID and pandemic times. I mean, Kojo actually had a conversation recently, like I reached out I was like, and I was like, yo, like, it, I, I kind of feel guilty sometimes for like mm-hmm. being happy about my successes, you know, in, in, in these times. And he was like, man, like you, you can't like, like you, you have to, yeah. you have to enjoy those moments, live in those moments because they come in, they go, they're very fleeting. And exactly. so, you know, it's, it's just crazy. Like Kojo was our employee of, of the week for episode nine, uh, R&B, still one of our favorite episodes. Now he's here, sure. season two, episode 10. He's finally mm-hmm. chron- chronologically. So season three, episode 11, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's probably <laughs> going to be involved in some way <laughs> Let's do it. following a certain timeline. So I just wanted to express how, how exciting it is to have you here, man, for real. Thank you, bro. Um, Thank you. We're going to get into some, some good stuff. But I also want to shout out the listeners for tapping back in for season two. Whether you like Meg or Cardi, Bratz or Barbie, Sweet or Salty, and for the Hoopers, Peja or Wally. Now, I, I'll, that's I'll, a I'll, super Hooper reference. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yo, that's, that's crazy. Super Hooper. I'm you definitely rocking with, rocking with Peja, though. Me too. I'm My definitely guy. rocking with Peja. My guy right there. Peja's jump <laughs> shot was different. His jump <laughs> Automatic. <laughs> um, of course, we got to shout out Kieran, our VP of everything. The guy you don't see, but you feel him. No vibes. Um, we got to give a couple shout outs. Uh, one of my best friends in the world, Jess, uh, shout out to her and shout out to Not Faye, who just put, put out a dope song. We're actually going to play it a little later for y'all in our artist submissions. Um, and we got two hot takes that we missed last week that I want to get into to kind of warm us up before we get into the fun. Shout out to Anchor, our distribution platform. Shout out to Zoom, allowing you to see our beautiful black melanated faces. Mine is a little sweaty because I'm so excited. We, we active already before we even get to the board meeting. You know the vibes. All right. So hot takes. <clears throat> Ryan Shepard, shout out to him, says Take Care is not a top two Drake album. React. Whoa. I would, my first reaction is what did he say all the top two? Because how is wow. Take Care he, not in there? He did not provide a top two. And then it doesn't Ryan, matter. You got to show says. your work. You got to show your work. <laughs> you got to show your work. Ryan. Although I'm one of those people who believe that Take Care isn't number one, mm-hmm. I actually I believe it's number two. I wouldn't put another Drake album before it, yeah. other than no- nothing was the same. So, um, yeah, that was a that's a wild hot. That's a really a hot take. I don't think I think I don't think many people will agree with him either. Yeah, he he got some heat in his mentions. He, he definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> one more hot take, and Nick actually agreed with this one. Uh, R&B Radar, a very uh, uh, R&B platform in Toronto. Shout out to them. They said that the R&B artists today rap better than the rappers. React. That's spicy. However, Nick, you I you agree. R&B artist, right? So yeah, let, let's hear what you got to say about I mean, that. It's for me as I I understood what he was saying. It's more a jab at the rappers than I think it is as a commending the R&B people rapping well. So I was more on the side of like, yeah, rappers aren't out here rapping like that. Um, and there's a lot of R&B artists who I think do the, you know, the floating, melodic, singing, rappy thing a lot better because a lot of the, oftentimes a lot of their pens are much stronger than some of these rappers out here. Um, and so I, when I first saw the tweet, I was like, oh, I get it. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then I, I've been reflecting on it a little bit. And I was like, you know, I got to think of some some good examples um, of of people who I think like, obviously, we can go with the the the, the black who is a great rapper. 
He's, he's, oh, he's an army artist. Again. Yeah, I knew. Oh, I, I'm again. glad. Co- let's jump, Nick. I'm again. glad Kojo's here. Because Kojo, Kojo and I black? understand black. We we understand black. Bryson. These are all R&B artists. Yes, uh-huh. R&B artists. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they rap. Yes. And they rap well. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean. It's, it, That's a it's, hot take because you. I don't think you would put. I wouldn't put black on a record with. Uh, let's say an elite spitter like Joey Badass and be like, oh yeah, black's gonna wrap circles around him. No, it wouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't do that. But you know, not saying that black wouldn't be able to hold his own. Like I always tell Armand, black comes from that. Like he's from yeah. the the battle, exactly. the battle, you know, yep. scene. But he's an RB artist to me, not to you, um, Nick. But <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I, that's a hot take. It, it wouldn't. It, it doesn't. It, yeah, it's not. It's not valid. R and beef part two. Uh, <laughs> it's coming. Uh, some fun hot takes. Thank y'all for submitting those. But let's get into the chat now. It was another overwhelming new music weekend. I and you know I I didn't get to everything, but I did get quality listens of the things that I did listen to. So I think we should start with Megan The Stallion's debut album, Good News. Um, that was highly anticipated um you know that th- there's the narrative that she's had multiple debut albums already um and you know it, it, wh- whatever you think fine good <laughs> whatever but the album was here um she had features including big sean two chains popcon mustard of course beyonce sizzle was on that joint city girls the baby yeah. of course the da- baby and meg are gonna have a song together well, one thing the baby and meg gonna do is, is <laughs> have right, a song together um my feelings on the album that they're having heard it twice there there were high highs and there were low lows um i thought that the yeah. production was good yep. I thought that Meg rapped well. I think she has another level she can get to in terms of the complexity of her bars. Like I was able to predict a lot of the rhymes she was gonna have. Like they were Same. they, they were Same. very simple. Like I, they they would hit and like she would have the energy, but but the actual words, I'll be like, mm, you you could have put something better uh, together there. But the, the 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 songs that were good were really good. I really enjoyed the SZA song. Um, I really enjoyed the City Girl song. Uh, the Popcorn song at first, I was like, eh, and, and then it grew on me. Um, and then there were others where the hooks weren't like her. Her hooks are also kind of kind of simple, um, somewhat repetitive. Like so, and you know, it felt to me like the debut album for someone who they're trying to push. As she's a star, like Meg Thee Stallion is a star. So this felt yeah. like a this felt like a very expected debut. Oh, dude, Lil Durk killed his feature. He's on a run. Crazy. We need Dirk, to talk yeah. about Dirk. Dirk is having a crazy year. Um, but but it but it felt very structured, like the standard debut album, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it it, it, was, it was it was a little predictable. And it was sample heavy. I, I, I don't know if anyone else felt it was it was heavy samples. So how how would y'all feel about it? Go ahead, Kojo. Um I kind of mirror the same exact sentiments as Armand. Like I was listening to it and I'm just like, yo, um, why can I predict what Meg's about to yeah. say? Like, like yeah. and I, and like, I just, I, I hated that because I'm yeah. like, yo, I consider Meg to be a star like Armand said. And I just, you know, I just wanted to, you know, kind of be blown away by her lyrically, but I'm, I never really am. Yeah. Um, like I remember, and not to compare, but I remember listening, it's ironic that, you know, Pink Friday made 10 years and I was listening to Nikki's first album and I'm just like, yo, it's certain bars or just rhyme schemes that 
Nikki was using. And I was like, oh, I'm blown away 10 years ago. And still mm-hmm. to this day, I'm like, yo, Nikki put that shit together. Crazy. Yeah. I don't feel that from Meg right now. Um, and I'm just really optimistic that she will get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the album goes, from top to bottom, I don't know if it's the album that I'm going to replay over and over and over again. No. But like you said, there's a lot of highs on there. The features did, did what they had to do. And there's some lows. Um, that one record, I'm not sure the name of it, but it's just like, it's completely left. Uh, it's not. It's, oh, uh, Don't Rock Me to Sleep? That shit, whatever it's called. That was a pop called. song. <laughs> I, yo, honestly. That was her I pop record. <laughs> I'm not a, yo, I, I'll be completely honest with y'all. I'm not one of them guys that listens to music and I skip anything. Like, even, even when people say, that, oh, that has a skip. I wouldn't, I don't even skip songs. I let them play. Yeah. I literally turned that record off. I was like, nah, I can't do this. I swear to God, I swear to God, I swear to God, it, 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 was, it was bothering me, it was bothering me, both times I listened to it, I said, nah, I can't, so, uh, especially knowing what was after it, I said, yeah, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I felt, but I uh, yeah, it, it was pretty solid. I think it's interesting, sorry to cut you off, I, I think it's interesting how you guys, you know, I, I guess it's natural to hold artists to this standard, especially someone like Meg, who does have punchlines and bars, but I just don't look at her as like, I don't go to her for lyricism. I go for her for, I expect a great song. I expect fun songs. I expect high level artistry. And if we get some dope bars, I think she has great punchlines, but I, you know, I don't mean to be that guy to be like, you know, she's not a lyricist or anything like that. Well, cause I think she is in some ways. And like we say, there are highs and high, her highs are very high. Um, and I think that's been consistent throughout her career, but it's like when I'm, I don't even really like go into it with the standard of like, can I predict your bars or can I do this thing? Like I kind of just like accept it for as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and Jane were talking about it like kind of live as we were listening. Shout out Jane. We were just talking about it and I was, I was enjoying it. I, I mean, I enjoyed the project for me. The production was, I think in a lot of ways, very true to her and it told yeah. her story, but it was also, I think risky in a lot of ways. Like she had some production on there that is, if your ear is not attuned to the South and know like how the South does their local regional music, you would have thought some of the first maybe few tracks on the project, you would have been like, I don't know about this beat. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Megan was able to get on those beats because, you know, then she obviously came in with the commercial joints with like Body mm-hmm. and the uh, Dirt Feet. Yaddy, 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 we're looking for that. You know, she's a radio artist. She's a hot, she's a, a top artist in that way. And so like, yeah. am I going to be, you know, printing her, her lyric sheets to go see what she was actually saying? No, I'm going to just take the music for what it is. So, Maybe that's my issue. <laughs> so you, you make a good point, Nick. I, I don't look at her as like a, a lyricist. I don't go to her for that, but it's a weakness that I not not to be like rude yeah. or like because okay. I, I I love Meg but you know I'm again Nick you know I'm, I'm trying to be yeah, I'm be trying honest. to be more more open about my no, just be straight up <laughs> so like her like on certain songs like it really dragged the song down for me. it it, sh- it shows up too obviously yeah yeah so that's that's the thing like that's why I think it's something that I want to see improve not that I want her to be raps but like. Right. It, it, it's holding songs back. Yeah, she's not. And but both are great and both exist. They I do their own thing. And they yes, can both exactly. do different things. Exactly. And I like and both of them. We shouldn't hold right. them to the same standard. But for Meg, it's like she she gets such good production. She she makes such good songs. The way she raps, it's so much conviction. Like her, 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 you her, her delivery. Every word. Her delivery. You every like, word of Meg, bro, she says. When Shots Fire came on, like what a way to start the album. 
I why haven't we talked about that yet? <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, I was gonna ask him what he felt about it. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Like, and I think like there's probably like a bias within me just because how I feel about who she, Tori, the, the person she was rapping about. Uh-huh. But like she had certain bars, like you, you wasn't popping, you was just on the remix, like re- referencing what's popping, Jack Harlow. Yeah, that like, was tough. That was tough. She was, was tough. like, she was cooking him. Like mm-hmm. that was a high for me. Those are, yes. Exactly. I feel a way about diss tracks, man. Like I honestly, mm. I get it. I get it. I get it. Trust me. But diss tracks really don't really do anything for me. Like direct diss tracks, like where you know it's like, you know what I mean? Like she's rapping over Who Shot You, which is that's, that's that was a, that's so a New poetic. York Brooklyn classic, right? And yeah, that, that, that was that's that was that is the dopest part about it. That it's that poetic. part. But when it comes to diss records, I'm I'm I, I like the subtle duppy freestyle shit like that. I like that. I don't like that. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, <laughs> just, well I, with duppy, it, it was clear who it, who it was about. Like, yes. th- th- there was coded language in it, though. Like, so, like you had to know certain things to know. What right. He was I think about. it's Drake. Drake has kind of mastered doing that throughout his career. That's yes. why. Well, we when you name a song "Shots Fired" and you just got shot. And we like we know you're talking of okay. like that's what I mean. Yeah. W freestyle yeah, when you. it dropped, I didn't know what it was. I remember where I was sitting when that came out. And I was like, what is Drake doing? W freestyle. And then when he came on, it's like, oh, mm. he's <laughs> talking to push. I got you. Yeah. That's what that was the difference. Like I saw track, I saw track one, shots fired, and said, I know what she's about to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But nonetheless, I respect it. I, I respect her being an artist, being a rapper, and saying, you know what? All right, you want to put an album out about me? Here's what I'm gonna address you. And all, it, all I need is one song. <laughs> that was, that was, you needed an album. I need one. So yeah, <laughs> congrats to Meg. Shout out to her for that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, we usually don't predict numbers here, but if, if you guys had to predict, because that, that, that was a conversation all on the timeline, uh, especially mm-hmm. with people comparing her and Little Baby, which is a weird comparison. Like, but uh, people were comparing them. But if you guys had to predict what, what you think her first week is going to be, I think she's going to come out the gate strong. Um, I know the Savage remix is on there, so you know that's gonna boost it. Um, but she's not gonna do over two hundred, so like probably like one sixty max. Nick, yeah. that's fair. I mean, I don't have a number. I, I don't know. <laughs> so let's go. I'm a. I'm a first week one sixty. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't care. But yeah, one sixty is fine. Yeah, I I never care about first week numbers, but yeah. it, it was a topic all the time. I was like, let's let's see if the busy boys can tackle this. I I think maybe around like 130, 140, maybe. Okay. But we'll see. Again, I really don't care about first week numbers at all. Um, another project that dropped, Meek Mill Quarantine Pack. I know I was personally waiting on some Meek uh for mm-hmm. a while. He's he Meek is always teasing music. He's 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 one of the best at like leaking snippets and like getting people excited with it. Um so quarantine pack was four tracks. Uh, we had a little Dirk feature. We had a Bory feature. Um, I, I I really enjoyed it. I got through it once. It's it's, it's good to hear Meek raps. Um, and, I listened. Yeah. <laughs> okay, man. I listened. Yeah, I listened. I Did listened you like once. Ah, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was. Um, I really liked the Forty Two Doug song. Yes, yeah, a lot of people like that. Joe. Yeah, that that song to me that's the one. It's called GTA, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, that to me that was the one of the project that that really stood out um and i think yeah it's, it's a four track joint you know i anytime people put out that sort of stuff like mm-hmm. uh i'm expecting you know that's just the appetizer i'm waiting for my main yeah course. you're not I'm looking assuming. for a grammy nominated exactly project. i'm not yeah. looking for nothing really crazy off that what i am tired of though 
is the different like the different like derivatives of a quarantine how many different ways can we say a quarantine <laughs> music <laughs> The I've Rona pack, <laughs> the Rona pack, the Rona pack, quarantine <laughs> pack. We've seen isolation tapes. Shout out Mahaley. We've seen all these different things. You know, it's just like yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we know. Can we can we just you know not be reminded of, of that? <laughs> right, it's triggering to the music. It's, it's triggering. <laughs> but no, I, I it was cool. How would you feel about it, Kojo? Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Um. Only track that I, I I could do without probably was the first one, and just just because of Meek's delivery on it, I just think it was too nasally for me. Mm. But nonetheless, um, I had Pain Away for a minute. Actually, I had the record without Dirk on it, um, so I was expecting that. I didn't know when it was coming, but hearing Dirk on it, that's that's what really triggered me to be like, I, I tweeted that that Dirk is the is the parsley now because I feel like <laughs> niggas just grabbing my phone yeah. and just saying like, nah, do what he's you on a do. run. He's on yeah, a crazy wow, run. I, love it, I, I meet you. I love I'm it. so happy for him. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. GTA is definitely my uh, my favorite record on there, and um, I, I, I like I like all four records. So I think Meek went four for four on there, for sure. Yeah. Coincidence. He had an EP called Four for Four. That's funny. <laughs> he um, did too. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Meek. Um, another project that I really enjoyed. Um, me and Nick really love this artist. Um, I, I don't I, I don't know if I've ever seen you talk about Kojo, but I, I know you're hip. Saint John uh, dropped the project. Oh, yeah, facts. While the world was burning, features from JID, our boy Black, Kaylani. Um, he what he did that I really liked is he took songs from his last project, Ghetto Lenny's Love Song, and and he kind of like restructured them and he would do callbacks to the hooks and then he would like flip different stuff and like he had different features uh the baby was on there too so i i, I really enjoyed this i i think st john's a super talented artist he's really doing his thing i have to talk about the kanye verse and and this is my request for 2021 and beyond please stop asking kanye to do rap features <laughs> He's not he's fed up, y'all. He's, uh, not, he's not inspired to rap right now. He, he's, he hasn't given us a good verse in years. He's he, he's ruining songs that I genuinely enjoy. And ruining how? I don't. He, I'm just. Like, you about to fight him on this again? No, 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 no. Calling Kanye the elite rapper last yeah. week, and I was just like, I, I don't know. yo, it was crazy <laughs> over here. Oh, it was no, crazy, but. No. He's had an elite We're not getting rap back career. into the Kanye. No, no, we can keep it short. I just wanted to uh, chime in. He's had an elite rap career, but he is no longer an elite rapper. I would say, if to say it now, that's I'm not yeah. mad at that. To yeah, say yeah. now, today, that's yeah. fine. He's had more years in the green than the red, though, so you can still exactly. Call him and Kanye yeah. made rapping like not about obviously. Well, he wasn't the only one, but he was one of the main people who wasn't rapping about being from the street and made it. Just as fly, just as cool, just as dope in a if not cooler, capa- exactly in a mainstream <laughs> yeah. capacity. So to say that someone is rapping and doing that, he didn't start what really singing on records until graduation. If you know, I mean, on eight oh eight, maybe a little bit after eight oh eight, eight oh eight. Like he started singing on records, and he's not a singer. He was always considered a rapper. So, anyway, he's, no he's no longer contributing to these records. So, like the Saint John record, he's not con- like it's not a con- contribution. Like, yeah, at this point. In our mind, correct me if, if this is not where you're going with it, but when you see Ye's name on a record, you're not like, yo, I need to I need to hear what Red Ye gotta say, right? It's nope, no longer that. And that's that's what he did on the St. John record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like it's yeah. still a great producer, like bro, pr- oh, produce bro. produce your ass off. Like do, 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 do that till forever. But rap wise, I, I don't need to hear another Kanye verse. I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't need it. Like I 
his last good verse, his last verse that I've enjoyed was probably on Pablo. And the, I don't think the rapping on Pablo was even that good either. But but there were a couple songs where we're, uh, No Parties in LA is one that I think of. Yeah, he got up on that. But man, uh, otherwise, St. John's album was really good. Um, did you guys get a chance to? I didn't get a chance to run it, but you know, I I had actually had heard and seen some of the stuff. I was watching some of his interviews a while ago. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I really like his his artistry. It's very interesting. Uh, and so I'm I'm gonna take a listen to it when I get a chance. Yeah, St. John is part of WMG family. So, you know, ADA, he works, he's on ADA, so ADA is in close ties with us. So I've definitely, you know, I know people who work on that project too. So yeah. Nice, nice. Well, there's a bunch of music, but we want to keep this uh, chat short because we're going to get into the good stuff with Kojo a little later. We got one more conversation to talk about, though. 2020 um, has been a great year for music, I think, uh, all things considered. Bad year experientially, which we talked about a couple episodes ago uh, on uh, Is It Them or Us? Um, but one one conversation that I'm very interested in is discussing the top feature artist of this year. So we got some submissions from our, 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 our followers. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll run through the list that we got. Uh, shout out to Kahina and Mamas. They said Ty Dallasan. Shout out to Steven Smith. He said um, Meribah. Uh, Will said Megan the Stallion and Roddy Rich. Uh, joint Rolla Ayatollah. This is his, his, uh, <laughs> this is his, 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 his alias nickname is, is fire. Uh, he said Nav. Uh. <laughs> uh, Oh, we got man. we got uh Dre Tobin said Lil Baby easily. I like specifically Lil Baby, comma easily. Yeah. Um and then Memphis Fleet and Light Show Weems also said Lil Baby. Light Show Weems also said Gunna. And then Mike said Young Thug. Fellas, if you had to pick a top feature artist of 2020, the parsley, the avocado, the the the, the hot sauce, the Nick, what's that seasoning that we put on the avocados? The, oh, the mushroom umami that, from Trader Joe's. Don't knock it till you try it. You know, th- th- throw that on an avocado and you get right. All right. But if you guys had to pick a top feature artist of 2020, who's who, who's your selection? I'm going to defer to Kojo on this one. Uh, Yeah, I think I alluded to it earlier, man. My boy Dirk. I think Dirk, think about it. Like, so Drake went and got him, mm-hmm. right? You can't, like, if that's the if that's the, the, the top of the top right there, if Drake's the top artist in the game, and he grabbed Dirk for it, Dirk did what he had to do, even though it was a short little verse, I think it it, it, it brought people to the to the front of the stage, like, yo, who's this blonde-haired dreadhead kid? Like, mm-hmm. Niggas like me, I've, I've been on, I've been on a Dirk train already, so like, yeah. I've been rocking with him. So now see Megan grab him. Uh, who else grabbed him? Me grabbed him. Ty Dolla Sign grabbed him. Um, and he's kind of just sprinkled these melodic raps all over everybody's records. Um, to me, I think it's typical to say Lil Baby. I think it's typical to think City Girls had a good little, little run. I think it's typical yeah. to say, uh, who else was I mentioned? Know. Roddy Rich. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But their, vo- their voices are so prominent in our brains. It's like, yo, yeah. you, Jack Hollow even had a good, a good little, like a couple of good stretches. But yes. for me personally, I'm rocking with Dirk. Dirk, yo, man. I know he's had a tough year. He just lost Vaughn. But, you know, I think he, I think he's a star in the making. And I'm glad that he's getting this, this, uh, this shine. Because I think next year, if he gets to put an album out, it's over. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with that, too. Because, you know, I don't really <laughs> to these rappers. <laughs> I mean, if you trust me, I, 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 won't, I won't leave you wrong, bro. I honestly think no, that, I, like, Dirk. 
I think Dirk is really special. Yeah, sure. no, I agree. And I mean, the, it was you, you just presented a great case. I have heard most of those features and mm-hmm. I just didn't even put the dots together because I had realized you know, I feel like I've always known about Dirk because mm-hmm. you know, I, I was always hip to him. And so, yeah, your, your time comes when your time comes so far as like getting certain looks and He's people starting to really, really oddly enough. My favorite Dirk feature comes from an artist comes with an artist that I really hate. Uh, damn, I can't even. Wait, okay, I said it already. Uh, so he has a record with Queen Niger this year called "Lie to Me." And, um, hate. <laughs> I really like words, sir. I don't hate. Show your work. I, I used Show to your really, work. I, I used to not. I used to not really enjoy her music. I thought it was really basic. Um, mm. But her new album's kind of high. You know what I'm saying? Her new album's kind of high. So I, I appreciate the growth. So. Mm. Extra hate word out. I do not hate Queen. I don't hate anybody. Um, but Dirk and her did a really good job on Lie to Me, and it's one of my favorite songs. It it, uh, it has that uh, that uh, I am mad at your sample. Like it's it's, it's it was a, it's a cheat code, but you know it worked. It worked. Yeah, yeah. That that, that was good. That was good. Um, Dirk is on my list. I have, I have a list of three people. Uh, Thug is is my personal pick. He's he he's been cooking. But it, you, you made a really good point about prominent voices like that. I I, I never really thought of it that way. But what was your argument? Yeah, because it would be Dirk because my next one was Future. Like, Future's been going crazy. (laughs) But we always say Future. Future always does does pretty well, even though his two products this year haven't been good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's another conversation. But uh, cool. All right. Well, we had a really good talk. And, you know, when we we get to talking, we get a little parched. So it's time for the half and half. Nick, what you sipping on, my brother? I'm actually, I'm back to tea today, finally. Um, okay. I'm sipping a uh, typical tea that I always sip. I'm sipping some uh, throat coat tea. It's good for singers, good for people who speak and podcasts and all that. So uh-huh. make sure you get on that. But I added a little bit of stuff into I added some elderberry into the mix just to get you some Need immune support. And it's, it's good for a lot of different things. But I added some elderberry into my mix when I was boiling the water, boiling the water. Then I steep my tea bags with the elderberry. Then you take the elderberry out because it is poisonous for you to eat it, from what I've heard. (laughs) So do not eat it. You can just draw it out. But, um, yes, for our half and half is coming out of Billboard.com. This is You Belong With Me, How Taylor Swift Could Still Get Her Masters Back by (laughs) Steve Knopper. Um, so I really wanted to talk this because we had actually spoken about this. One of our first few half and halves was when this first happened is that uh, back in uh, June of last year, June of 2019, uh, Scooter, uh, Scooter Braun's company, Ithaca Holdings, had actually purchased Taylor Swift's first label, which is called Big Machine. In that, Scooter Braun absorbed Taylor Swift's master's project for her first five albums. For those who don't know, who haven't heard about the story, that's what's going on. There's been a battle for Taylor Swift between Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun to sort of meet and because Taylor wants her master's back. Scooter was not really into it. Um, that, you know, that's a huge catalog. We're talking about one of the biggest artists in the world. The amount of money that probably comes out of that catalog alone is something that he probably does never wants to give up for his company, for himself, so on and so forth. And we're going to get into the whole discussion about that, because I think that's absolutely disgusting for him to think about that. Um, and so what's going on right now is a new development in the whole saga is that this week, Scooter Braun, or last week, by the time you all hear this, Scooter Braun has actually sold over the ownership of these records to Shamrock. Shamrock is another company, which Shamrock was being responsible and actually offered Taylor Swift a partnership. However, uh, through that offer, Scooter Braun would still profit, which for 
uh, Taylor Swift was a non-negotiable thing. So she did not want him involved in any sort of way. It's actually interesting too, what's going on. You know, Taylor Swift is actually signed by Republican. That's her label. Um, there's a different universal vision that continues to distribute big machines recordings. So under the, even under the new Shamrock ownership. So that's going to include her early catalog. Um, and, you know, of course, that creates competition within the same company. But it seems as if Monty Lipman, as well as Lucian Grange, are kind of going to go along anything with Taylor does because they're they seem to be artist friendly. Um, and so the article goes on to describe and explain for those who may not understand this sort of stuff. Why would Taylor Swift go on to record her early recordings? Without getting too in the weeds it's about her owning the masters. And basically, when she re-records these old songs, she has the ability in her contract still to deny access or basically ownership for people to license the music out to sync placements. So sync placements are, you know, film, TV, video games, which is a very, very lucrative thing for songs um, to, you know, to place them in movies and so on and so forth. It's a huge part of the industry. So with her, she's still, even though a Scooter Braun's company owns her mask, she still has that ability to say no go no go on certain licensing things what the idea is that when she re-records her new her old music is that that catalog from the old music will basically sort of lose its value because she's not going to be clearing any of that so my personal opinion on this thing and i mean we were i was kind of having a conversation last night about it for someone like scooter braun to really be in the trenches with artists like with Justin Bieber when he was in the trenches with Asher Roth, you know, I mean, he had talked about on the blueprint of the complex series where he was at month, what I think 11 on a 13 month plan about to run out of money, spending all his money on just helping them developing Justin spent two years developing him, uh, developing Asher and all these sort of things. So he's, he's been in the trenches with the artists and knows what it takes to go into producing, writing, recording and putting out music. And doing that consistently at the very highest level, the highest level, for him to not meet in good faith at the table with a, an, a huge artist who is looking to receive their masters back and has the ability to pay for them and do all the proper things business wise and staying no to me is just, I get it from a business standpoint, obviously, but there's more at, at play here. Like, You've been in sessions. You know what goes down. So how can you, of sound mind, do that sort of thing? And we had this discussion about you know him being a super capitalist and that he doesn't care about the music, and I, which I would obviously agree. But to me, it's just a it's a very sick thing to think that you are dangling a carrot over someone's head, you know, who has made this effort to get their music back. What are y'all thoughts on this this situation, Kojo? Man, it's, it's tough. That's that's the that's the nasty part of the game, man. Like you would you me, I'm I'm a human first, right? So like I'm all about morals and stuff like that. So when it comes to a situation like this with Taylor and all that, like I didn't get a chance to fully read the article, but I heard about the story. Um to me, and with Scooter as well, to me it's just all about yo, like, man, how do I even put this? I don't see, now nah, I don't wanna <laughs> Oh man, yo, nah, I'm like, you take this because I don't want to say nothing too crazy. You take this, I'm like, I can't, nah. I can't, I don't even want to. We know your hands are tired. We know your hands are tired. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, <laughs> we, we totally respect it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. Like, it's, 
it's crazy. I'm I, as Kojo was about to get into. I'm 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 a human first, and I really value artists' humanity. Like you guys have seen my writing and the way that I kind of approach thinking about them. Like the, the, these people are are not like your your little objects you can just play around with and stuff like that. Like you know Taylor Swift is, you know, even if she's had some shaky history with with the Kanye stuff and lying or whatever, like. You know, like that, 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 that doesn't matter. She's, she's a human and she doesn't deserve to be in a situation like that. And, you know, we don't know the dynamic of their personal relationship. Like we only, we only know what these articles have said and what Taylor Swift has come out and said, and it's her word versus his. But at the end of the day, we know that this man has her masters and he's making it very, very difficult for her to own them. And that's just, that sucks in, in my mind. So it's as simple as that. I'm doubling down on that with no detail. Doubling down on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm excited oh, to hear the details offline. <laughs> but anyways, y'all, that was our half and half. Um, I'm very passionate about that sort of issue with, you know, artist ownership and things like that, because I think it's just so interesting, you know, like artists who are even at the highest level still have to deal with those sort of crooked policies, those crooked ideas. Yes, he signed, whatever point is now she's coming back to the table have a be a good business person and deal in good faith with somebody who can still sign you the check that you want at the same time um so yeah that's my half and half y'all all right ladies and gentlemen uh this is a very special employee of the month segment first time ever um we are bringing our employee of the month on to speak during the segment um so we have a very very special guest um i was i became connected with this person a couple months ago, right around when the uh, Bryson Tiller article um, came out, she showed me love in my DMs, and that was that you know that was just very very touching. Um, and it, it it just showed like you know she's not afraid to give people their flowers. She's constantly being a very positive person on the timeline. And that's what the music industry needs. Um, so I would like to introduce you all to a very very special person. Olivia's here, ladies and gentlemen. Clap it up, Olivia. Olivia. <laughs> hey everyone, happy to be here. Happy to have you. We're happy to have you. So happy to be too. So you you just had something very, very exciting happen uh, with a particular artist that you work with. So did did you want to tell the people um, what you experienced lately? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Olivia. Um, I'm the director and founder of Amethyst Collab. And we are both a digital and social media marketing agency and like a panel agency. So I'm most known for like hosting panels with women in music. Um, and on the social media side, one of my clients, Tribu Red, we just had a release of the album Pegasus um, and really exciting. It hit number one on Apple Music like almost instantly that night um, and it ended up debuting at number two overall on Billboard charts and number one on the hip hop and R&B charts, which is really exciting. There we go. Yeah, there we there go. go. Yes, it did make it Trippy's fifth album in a row out of the five albums he's released to be in the top five. Um, and that made him to be the artist with the most top five numbers in the past two years out of any artist. Okay. Yeah, we're, so we're really exciting. Yes. Shout out to you. Shout out to you. And there was a pretty cool billboard, uh, if, I, if I recall correctly. Yeah, <laughs> I was just in New York. I got to take my little picture with the billboard. And there you go. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. And all the like posters around the city, which was dope. Yeah, that's a, that's a milestone moment. So shout out to you for that. Um, another thing that you do that I really like is your digital panels and how they're exclusively yeah. for women. You've had women in marketing, A&R, management. Yes. Um, and you also do boss talk. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, what inspired you to start that and what the experience has been like? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a funny story. I normally like only tell our panelists, so I guess this will be like the first time I'm telling why I started these panels. Exclusive. Yeah, exclusive for just for you guys. Um, but okay. basically, I was in the beginning of like the quarantine. It was like April or something. I'm sorry. Um, I was like watching panels myself just because, you know, we're all bored and I was working in touring at the time. So my work was completely shut down and I was like watching this A&R panel and I kid you not have like 25 panelists, like so many panelists and there are only two women. And every time the woman would like try to talk, someone would talk over her or the other one just like wasn't talking. And I was like, damn, I wish there were more of these like for the girls, for the ladies. Um, And so I'm like, you know, doing my little Googling, looking up everyone I follow if they were throwing any panels. And I was like, you know what? It looks like this doesn't exist. So let me create it. That's how Amethyst was born. Okay. You finding a need, seeing a, a lack, and then filling that void. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's about, really. Is like if you don't see it, be it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We we love that. We love that. So uh we are fortunate to have you here, and we also wanted to give uh our listeners an opportunity uh to ask you some questions as well. So we have two questions for you. Uh the first, shout out to our uh good good friend of ours, rapper from New York City. Um, he wanted to know how often does an artist have to provide content on social media? And if so, what kind of content? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm obviously going to say as a social media manager, my first instinct is to say, like, you should be putting out content every day. But if you're smart and if you have a smart social media manager, wink, wink, like me, you can <laughs> take one piece of content and you can flip it like a million different ways, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, like if Trippy is, he just came out with a feature today for Luck Hell um, on one of the songs on his album. And something that I have to do as a social media manager is try to find a way to fit this like 30 second feature into content for all his different platforms mm-hmm. um, and like the smart way to do that would be to spread it out right instead of just like dumping it all at once um, so as an artist I would say like think smart not hard or work smart not hard whatever the saying is um, <laughs> take like film some really good content and find ways to chop it up in different ways but be posting every day gotta keep it going okay um, and 232 another artist from New York City um, he wanted to know what is the absolute best way or ways to grow his following across all social media platforms? I would say interaction uh, with your fans, just really like in the DMs or the comments, um, but don't let anything go unanswered. Like when I build with a brand new artist who are smaller, that's the number one thing I do is I don't let any DMs go unanswered. Even when I build like my own company, Amethyst, I never don't respond to people. I try to respond to every single comment. Um, if somebody like shouts you out on their story, like don't just hit repost, you know, um, send them a message, be like, Hey, thanks for saying that. Or like, Hey, thanks for sharing. Um, just interacting with as many people as possible. Taylor Swift's manager said this thing that like stuck in my head forever is he said, if you want to sell a million records then you have to shake a million hands. Um, and I think about that digitally, right? If you want to sell a million records then you got to send a million DMS or send DMS back or whatever, don't like cold reach out to people. Um, but just be hitting everyone you can back and even like reach out to people. If you think maybe they make similar music as you or they like music, that's what you're putting out. Reach out to them, too. OK. And this is a. Uh, oh, sorry. Nick. No, um, I'm that's great. I love it. Absolutely. And this one and Kojo, please feel free to offer some uh, insight on this one as well. Um, we had another question. I believe it came from um, Zamir Stills. He said, is artist development dead? 
I don't know. That's a good question. I don't yeah. think it should be. Go ahead, Kojo. You no, I don't think I don't think it's dead. I just think it's all about intention. So wherever uh wherever this artist is actually located or where he's housed, if that's something that that label is focused on, then it'll happen. Um the problem is then maybe it is dead. The problem is probably every label is not really it doesn't really have the patience for that. Mm. Um, and that might be the problem. It's like, you know. Uh, certain labels are probably looking for the guy who has all the numbers already and then saying, all right, yo, we're going to take you and then we're going to you know, boost you up instead of looking for the small artist who has a small following who is super talented, but they don't want to take that risk and put that money behind it, you know, because, you know, they're obviously not there yet but instead of developing them. Um, so I don't know if it's dead, but it ain't, it, it ain't, it ain't up and jumping, though. <laughs> well. Yeah. That's a that's a great point. I feel like there's a big difference between artist development and trying to push an artist mainstream and where a lot of like big corporations like big management agencies or labels will go wrong is they'll take an artist and they'll look at their development as pushing their sound more mainstream, whereas they should be looking at like where does this artist want to go next. Um, the more creative control you give an artist, the better their development process is going to be. So I don't think it's dead, but I think it needs a revival for sure. That's a fact. We hear a lot of conversation about this. So it's, it's always good to, to get perspective from, you know, y'all that are working in, in the industry consistently with these directly artists. with artists. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's a really good perspective. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Olivia, it was incredible to have you. You shared so much great insight. Um, again, thank you for just being who you are and doing what you do for people within the industry, especially for the women. Um, and, you know, we hope that we can connect again. Um, we definitely want to do a, an all women's panel again. So we will yeah. we'll be linking you for that. Um, definitely. Tap me in for it. Absolutely. Ready. Yeah. yeah thank thanks so for much. having me guys. It's been great. Um, so once again, I want to thank uh, Olivia for stopping by. It was very fun to have my employee of the month come through and be able to share her own insight. And this is something you all can get used to. We'll be bringing our employee of the months directly to you, not just Twitter posts, not just IG posts, but you get to hear their voices. Now, let's get into a lot of people's favorite part of the show. I mean, the whole show. They love the whole show. But especially the slide deck. Frank, take us away. The best song wasn't the single, but you weren't either. All right. It is time to hear some bangers. We got four fire songs prepared for y'all. We want to start with our guest. So what did you bring for us to play in today's slide deck, brother? All right, so today I picked a record that, uh, if anybody who's watching this has watched uh, my show, Honest Here, uh, this song was featured on the last episode of Honest Here, um, an artist by the name of Baby J. Uh, I believe she's from Atlanta. Um, my old college roommate put me on to her. So her song was on the episode, and when I heard it, I was blown away by her voice. Um, she just has a very dis distinct singing voice, and I was just like, nah, this girl can sing. She actually actually just dropped a new single too, but this song is called High Shit. Um, and I really, really like it. So uh this song I selected. Oh, let's get into it. Let's hear it. Some high shit, what's the time that I sit 
fuck the price It take a lot for my attention What's the motion? Baby, you go Now the sun go down It ain't no limit to the places you can now go Ain't like this slow Poppy just think the type to miss the show And he know better than to just let me go You see my love like the drug My pocket's full Till he call me mama, no, I like it On some high shit, what's the time, eh? I say, fuck the price He do a lot for my attention Claim I'm low, won't you wear some booster? Baby, it's getting late I hate to say it, but you got to go Baby, you know You know shit different with me No need for show You say you tryna roll up How I say no Say you still fucking with me, move to the dough I fuck with your actions, not but what I'm saying It ain't no competition, it ain't no need for racing I like it in your presence, you make a bitch go crazy He call me mama and I like it On some high shit, what's the time man? I said fuck the price Okay. Mm. Yo, that's a banger. Okay. I like that. Like, when I, like I that. when that song was on the episode, I literally had to stop myself from giving it all fives across the board. Like, <laughs> it, 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 like I wanted to like give her some critique, but she sounds so good. She she she's really melodic. She knows how to well that beat in particular. She knows how to like you know ride that beat. Uh, the production was great. Like I said, she has a distinct voice. Um, I like the pen. It was it was it was a great song, and I I, I listen to it often. Like I listen to a lot of the the people who put their who submit the music to the, my show like mm-hmm. if their music is good to me they're just as important as my favorite artists like mm-hmm. i love good music so she's definitely one of the artists that i'm looking out for i think she's just getting her career started so you know i'll, I'll be i'll be i have my eyes on her for the whole journey that's awesome yeah, yeah I, no, I, I definitely want to tap in definitely gotta tap in baby uh, j it's crazy i honest here got that reach out in atlanta huh yeah you are <laughs> nationwide look- i had a i had a south african uh submission so i'm worldwide okay um let's get into let's do our artist submission um so this oh, real is- quick i want to say that that song high shit was produced by big bad beats yes yes that's yes, yes, the big yes, bad yes. beats yes 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 credit your producer credit oh, your producer um, so yeah, our, our artist submission, uh, this is not Dot Faye. I got uh, connected with her through Twitter. I'm sure released a song recently called Sad Girl Hours. Um, and this is produced by Ricky. I was, I think it's probably one of three. It's either Ricky or Richie or Richie. Richie. Okay. It's well, one of the two. It's, it's probably Rich. It's just probably Rich with there's, there's an I at the end. You know, R-I-C-C-I. <laughs> we all spell it out. Let's get into the track. Mm-hmm. 
I need some, you know, give me some sustenance. We like that. She um she randomly dropped like a Twitter video of it. And you know, I I get a little like Kojo, like and, and Nick, of course. We're we're all tapped in and we all try to check out a lot of different artists. So right. she got connected with her from Twitter. She dropped the video. I was like, oh, that's dope. And a lot, she got a lot of love on it, like thousands and thousands of retweets and likes. So she 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 was kind of pressured at that point with the popularity to put it on YouTube. So I hit click grab and it is now in my iTunes library. <laughs> I, I've been listening to it quite often. So shout out to her for that. I'm um, again, that is not dot Fay, uh, sad girl hours. Um, yeah. I like pr- the production on that one. I think that was really strong. So shout out to R I C C I. Yeah. Uh, Richie, <laughs> Ricky, Richie. Um, that was very, that was a strong production. Um, I want to hear her live now. Mm-hmm. Same with, same with baby J. I want to hear them live. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Unplug context. Can't wait for live music, man. Um, Nick, what would what, you bring for us, brother? I have a super dope artist. Funny enough, the super. I didn't mean to say that, <laughs> but because that'll connect to the title and everything. <laughs> this artist, I've heard of heard of him, and uh, you know, he's also from LA. And I've heard of him. I just never really like tapped in that much. I'd heard him on features, and I just on a whim went and ran his most recent project called Super Good, and it locked me in. And I've been running that project up and up for the last week i would say has been probably the number one project i've played because of such the, the breadth of sounds he he fits into sort of the the anderson pack katronada that sort of lane and i think that i wanted to showcase a little bit more of my ear um from because i feel like i play a lot of r&b and so i wanted to play something a little different for y'all i hope y'all can get into it okay. as i'm going into see who produces I come to see that our boy Nascent mm. produced on this working. track. Sir. Yeah, shout out to Nascent too, right? Y'all know I worked with him too, yeah. right? I did some of his Nascent and Beat Butcher is on this project. I mean, on the song. Here. Wait, wait, Kakota, you said you did an art direction for Nascent? Not well. I did some of his uh, his digital content okay. off of his first two releases. His uh, his two singles. So, you know, I'm everywhere. The world, the <laughs> Kojo, world is the world is tiny. Everyone knows each other. Yeah. Is is the world <laughs> tiny or is Kojo just got got the wingspan? To it be? might be the latter, man. It might be the latter. <laughs> yeah. So this giant. I hope y'all can get into it. This is Super Bounce by Duckworth, featuring Earth Gang, produced by Nascent and Beat Butcher. Super Bounce. Drop it fast, fast. Stay peepee, super sunny. 
Netflix Yeah, I picked that song because you know I I loved. I'm I'm a West Coast person. I lean West Coast. All my music kind of sounds in that West Coast sort of feel. So like I really enjoyed that one. That's one just joint you can just ride to, chill. Um, it comes in a great part in the album. Like the sequencing of where that song comes in is such a great space. Uh, so yeah, I hope y'all like that. Go check out that project. Super good. Again, that was Duckworth. Super bounce for, produced by Nascent and Beat Butcher, also featuring Earth Grain. Yeah, that was dope. That's that soul rap. Like that's that's what I call it. A song like that, some soul rap. Like something you drive to, something you roll up to, something you just chill to. It's, yeah. Culture, what you thought? No, nah, I thought it was solid. Uh, I, lo- I I like the beat first and foremost. That bounce, that bounce catches me all the time. And once I I I wasn't sure who was who until I heard the Earth Game. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've not listened to them enough, so I, once I was like, oh, they, I, I know their voices. But it was dope. It was dope. Yeah, it. it was dope. Our Earth Gang came in and kind of sped sped up their flow a bit to yeah. want to be like that. It's, it, it, it clashed, clashed, but it was dope. Like it worked in the same way. Um, but yeah, let's get into the final slide. Uh, this is my slide. This is uh, one of the most talented lyricists that I know personally. Um, he comes out of Englewood, New Jersey. He goes by the name of Sule. Um, this is his track, Kobe White, from his t- 2019 project, Eviction Notice. And this is produced by All Seven. Yeah, yeah, y'all get ready. Hey, yo, so. Didn't I tell you it's gonna keep on killing these things, man? Yes, sir. Let's get it. Hey, yo. 
9-4, nigga, 9-4, you know what I'm saying? Only the real niggas gonna survive in this shit. Extraordinary from the rip. When I spin, I'm just letting my paradigm show. Reina me the king and I'm Louis down to the poncho. My cousin in the Carolines, though. Balling like Elonzo. Said he got new connects in Chicago. This Fonto contained the whole eight. This Budweiser, my plug in Corona gave me the whole plate. The King Cobra eat your whole face. Couldn't bear it cause your core's late. The lieutenant said it's a cold case. The guard shooting at a high percentage. Do drive-bys, pull up in a soccer van without a soccer in it. You need a goalie when the thing pops. Rip the doors off the foreign and turn your ghost to a slingshot I swear Avengers like the sweet spot Potato on the barrel, make the silence around it sound like a screenshot Dunny, just knock it off, cotton saw Plus he been an imposter like rigatoni Politics by the hour, take what? the powder, then invest what? First you get the money, what? then the power, then respect what? Couple thousand for the check, what? competition to push me Because what? they know he nice, since a rookie been on his bully I what? think I'm Kobe White Word up, son, word been an imposter like rigatoni and vodka sauce. Yo, nah, that beer scheme that he did early. Oh, nah, that was tough. That was tough. My Budweiser, something, something, Coke. Uh, Sue is, nah, he was Sue is a beast. He was wild. Is, is wow. Where he from? You said Inglewood. Yeah, he's, he's he's from my hometown. My hometown. Damn, that was, that was tough. That was tough. That yeah. was tough. I, I didn't know him personally. I've had the pleasure of being in the studio with Sue. Um, working with him a little bit, so he's incredible. I'd highly suggest you all check his stuff out. He put out a project this year called No More Favors as well. So, yeah. And listeners, as you know, thank you. Um, you know, I, we, we try to pick the best slides. We went four for four, just like Meek did. That's right. Look at that. Look how we bring it around. Look, look, look. <laughs> uh, listeners, as you know, the Stay Busy Slide Deck playlist is live on all platforms, updating weekly. You can hit the link tree in our IG and Twitter bio to check it out. Artists, as you know, if you want your slide added to the deck, hit us on at StayBusyPod on IG or Twitter or email us StayBusyPod at gmail.com. Now, let's get into the fun stuff. As y'all know, we have an incredible guest here. He's been giving us his great takes the whole time. So now we want to play a fun game of auto-reply, our new segment, as you know, rapid fire, before we get into the conversation interview portion. So, Nick... We get some water. Well, actually, bro, yeah, Cole, are you ready? Yeah, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, kick us off, brother. All right. So we're going to start it off easy. What's the word story? How does it make you feel? Story. J. Cole. <laughs> it, it, isn't it? Wait, you said, isn't it the one where we, we rapid fire those two words? Basically, yeah. So you're going to give us back. You're going to give us back a one word sort of response or two, one or two okay. words response yeah. to. Uh, yeah. Whatever word we say, uh, so it, when you say story, you. I, I think J. Cole, Cole. That's, that works. That works. <laughs> okay, that works. okay, cool, cool. All right. Talent. Wale. Heritage. Ghana. Vacation. Jamaica. <laughs> Design. Me. Philosophy. College. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely think about philosophy slash Integrity. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't want to say me again, but me. <laughs> <laughs> How about Dadzi? Me. <laughs> Legacy, to finish it off. The greatest of all time? Goat. Let's say goat. Okay, gotcha. 
All right. Nice. Very nice. So now we little, we've been warming up the whole thing, but now we really warmed up about to get into this into this board meeting, man. So, of course, we're super excited here to have Kolo Jodazi here, graphic designer, art director, labeled executive, a multi-hyphenate potential man. He's, you know, he got everything going on for him. So first question is, you know, I want you to kind of tell us a little bit more about your life and bring us up to the current day from the life of Kojo. Sheesh, where do I start? You know, that's really a, a tough tough question right not even question but it's just a tough way to to bring it in because I've gone through so many phases in my life so the person that you're talking to right now the person that everybody sees right now that's not who I was three years ago Def, definitely wasn't who I was 10 years ago and that's not how I started um and I've told the story a million times but you know I, I came up Brooklyn New York born and raised um my first love and passion was basketball um and that's really what I've kind of catered my whole adolescence to like I was playing ball that's how I got to college um and it was all I really wanted to do but then I got to a point in my life where I realized that that was no longer going to be what was going to take me to that next level but while I was growing up I was you know blessed to be able to be surrounded by my older siblings who was a who were able to put me on to all the music that I love and just be ingratiated in that culture um you know that's why turning or, or pivoting into music was like natural is the most natural thing. Um, and yes, I drew when I was younger. Um, so that's where I get the art background from, but you know, with having drawing in my back pocket, having music in my back pocket and having sports in my back pocket, I was always that person that could just be good in any room, you know, um, you know, and just being from New York, you kind of, uh, not to shade anybody, but you just have this, like this natural ability to adapt. So, um, I have I had those skills and it it kind of just created this person. So through all the hardships that I went through, whether that was in college or even in high school and stuff like that, or even after college, um, I, it built. I had this tough skin and it just built me to you know get to this point. Um, so as you guys have you know said, I'm currently the head creative at Asylum Records. Um, I've been there for a year now, year a, a little bit over a year, and uh, it's been. It's been a very, very fun, trying, tough experience, but you know, um, it gets easier as you as you go along. Um, I definitely never really wanted to work in the music industry. I have family members who are working in the music industry even now currently, and just from watching their experiences and just like being able to run up in the in the uh, UMG building and just hang out for a little bit, or even like you know playing at Def Jam and stuff like that. Like I never really wanted to be in the music industry. But the opportunity fell into my lap and it was at a point in time where I felt like, you know, this is a challenge that you have yet to uh, uh, like, you know, conquer. So do it. You know what I'm saying? And and when I made and they really like I, I always tell uh, my coworker Ashley, who was the one who kind of facilitated my interview. I always tell her like, yo, she really kind of dragged me into the building that day. Like I wow. I played so many games like I, I was I was curving the interview like, yeah, I don't really want to do it. I don't really want to do it. And they got me in there. And once I met Gabrielle Peluso, who is my general manager, she's the boss lady of Asylum and Angel, who's the senior market um marketing director. Um, you know, they were just like, they felt they didn't feel like bosses. You know, they felt like friends. They still feel like friends. They're like family. They're, that's my family. So like, that's what really made me say like, I think I could do this music industry thing. And um, it's been a it's been a journey, like I said. But uh, I'm just I'm grateful to be here. I'm, I'm I'm really happy. I'm I think I'm in a great space. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I remember our, our our conversation on IG Live a couple months ago. You know, you're talking about your experiences right. and like kind of adjusting um, to being at home full time rather than being in the office. Um, so what? It's kind of a two part question. Well, what was your day to day when you were in office, and kind of now, uh, what what's your transition? Just to tell all the listeners who might have yeah, so, IG Live. Uh, it's not it's not much different as far as from in office and being at home. My day to day was you know I get to the office. Uh, get some breakfast. Always got to eat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would sit at my desk, meditate for a little bit, then I would just get right to work. So uh, when I first got to asylum, I was kind of like in a very erratic space because I didn't know necessarily how to handle all these things that were coming at me at once. But once I got a chance to like sit down with my team, my small team, and realize like, oh, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. Because the music industry is very fast paced. So like, I'll think I had everything settled and then boom, we got a video that we got to work. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's things like that which just pop up. So what I did was, or what we did, was we created a, a method for me to be able to see what I had to do and leave space for t- for those, you know, what if moments. Um, so that's really what I do on a day-to-day basis. I just, I go through my checklist. I, it's on an Excel sheet. And, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I'm really, I'm really methodical. So like, if it's there, I do it, I move on. There, I'm really checklist-based. So that's really how it works for me. Um, And then on any given day, I can be working on, five cover arts for one day or I could just be doing all day I could just be creating assets for our artists to use for their upcoming releases like you never really know and you know sometimes I'll end up having no nothing to do and just be chilling because I did it all already and that's where I can you know you know practice new skills and learn new things like you know animation was something that I when I came into asylum it wasn't my strongest skill set but as time developed and I've had time to you know have trial and error I've become a way better animator than I was before. So, you know, so. It's, it's, been, it's been cool. And like I said, the same the same method that I had while I was walking into the office is the same methods that I do while I sit in my bedroom and do the same thing. So, right, right, right. so go ahead, Armand. Oh, yeah. So um, you are clearly a very, very confident, secure person. I, I remember your, your episode of What's a Good Guy. It's titled... Um, well, you've been on most episodes of What's a Good Guy, like, yeah. and, and like <laughs> we've been hearing you in the background. <laughs> we've been hearing you in the background, but uh, the the most recent episode uh, that that you were a guest on was titled "I'm the Best," um, and it's it's where you spoke about how you truly believe you are the best graphic designer, and you know, like it 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 it, it takes some time to, to truly get confident in, in your craft and in your abilities, so. Who who was the first person who kind of gave you that cosign and told you like, yo, you're you're creative, like do this? Um, my friend, nah, I can't even say that. I would say, I would say Rain. Not even Rain. Not even Rain. Because at that point, I already, I I I felt like I could do what I had to do. But I would say in college, it was my junior year. My friend Nay, you know, she was the head of the. Uh, she was one of the heads of the Black Student Union at the time. And she, you know, she kind of put the battery in my back to start, you know, creating flyers for that organization. Um, and, you know, it was at a time where I was, I kind of was in a, in, a, in a point in my life where I didn't really know what was going to happen next. But for her to put that battery in my back and say like, yo, nah, Joe, you're really good. I've seen your work. You should do this. She lit the fire. And once I took, once that went crazy, it was, it was, it was, it was history for me. So uh, shout out to Nate. That's dope. So when I think about how do you approach design? 
Um, as far as well, it's, it's, like it's, more it's, so like not like the technical aspect you have, like, you know, I use this program and that. Like, yeah, yeah, of course what not. is your approach? Like, I guess your philosophical approach to your art, your creativity, you know, how do you approach that? And so, you know, what makes what makes KD designs different? You know what I'm saying? How are people going to what are people going to feel? You know, a client, how are they going to, you know, be satisfied with, the, with your work? And then how are the masses going to consume it? What is going to make them feel? Tell us that. Okay, so that's a good question. Um, with me, uh, I lead with simplicity. I think simplicity works yes. on what it's just it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, and once I once I achieve my level of simplicity with each project, mm-hmm. I also do this thing where I don't ever want to do the same thing twice. So early mm-hmm. in my design career, like I would do some fire shit, mm-hmm. and then I would make sure that whatever the ne- the very next thing I did, it was nothing like that one before which allowed me to be able to satisfy multiple groups of people yeah. in a short amount of time because people who started to act like, yo, Joe, how are you doing these things so fast? And I just, honestly, I didn't have an answer for it, but I knew that whatever I was going to do next was not going to be like the person before. So everybody kind of felt this kind of like exclusivity that they were getting a special KD Designs body of work. And yeah. I've carried that on. Like, it's crazy how I've carried that on. And yeah, you, after doing this for seven, eight years, you'll be, you'll be able to see something that kind of looks like something else. But if you look at it like the Sada Baby cover that I just did with Nikki, I've never done anything like that, but I've done similar yeah. things. You know what I'm saying? So I try, I always try to top like push. the last thing that I did. So I'm my own competition in a sense when it comes to like when I sit down in front of my laptop or the computer and I start working, I'm competing with myself. So that's gotcha. kind of how I approach it. Like, yo, because I'm, I'm an athlete at heart. So the competitive <laughs> nature it's exactly. always like it's always brewing. Like I can't help it. That might be my a, a flaw of mine, and like it's what keeps me going. But um, I always try to compete with myself to make sure that I'm doing better than I, what what I did yesterday. Right, right, right. So when I think when you say that, I, it automatically makes me think of you know you sound like a confident guy, obviously, mm-hmm. and I think that that's not always the case. And we kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, um, when we're talking about you know being creative, but. I guess, what would you say to people who maybe experience that sort of imposter syndrome sometimes? Imposter syndrome for a lot of people who don't, for people who don't know, is the idea of, you know, maybe just not feeling adequate, not feeling like, you know, you're in a room where people are doing major things, things that you're a consumer of, and they're asking you your opinion on things. And you feel like, Mm -hmm. wait, hold on, I'm not deserving of this place. Um, I, you know, in my personal, for myself, I always say, you know, you're in the room for a reason. Oftentimes, that someone either got you in the room for a reason, or someone brought you in the room for a reason, or you just, off your own merit, you are in the room for a reason. So, how do you encourage people who may not have that sort of confidence in their art and their work, but are valid? So, so it's crazy. So, like, as confident as I am, I do suffer from imposter syndrome at times too, right? But I want to explain why, and I'm think I'm going to say this is the first time I might have ever publicly said this on a platform in my life. So a lot of people don't know that I didn't finish school. I didn't finish college. I left, right? So a lot of people to see me, they see how well-spoken I am. They see how accomplished I am. And like, oh yeah, Joe had to go finish and get his degree. And I'm like, no, I don't have any degrees. I mean, if you look at my record, I didn't finish school. So um, that, that that not having that safety net of degrees and stuff like that, it's always in the back of my mind every time I step into a room. And it's also a part of the reason why I do work so hard is because I feel like I have nothing else to fall back on in a sense. So that's why I just be like, I'm such a workhorse. That's why I never stop, never stop, never stop. 
when it comes to imposter syndrome, like I was sitting in the room and I'll be talking to Wayne on a call and he'll mention something that he's about to work on and I know I can contribute, right? Right. But in my head, I'm like, yo, Joe, you're just head, you're just head creative. You're not A and R. Like I say that to myself sometimes. It bothers me because I know that head of low key, <laughs> low key, right? Yeah, like low key, I be doing all this A and R shit on my own, right? You know exactly. what I'm saying? I've done it for years, but in my head, I'm like, well, that's Wayne. You know what I'm saying? I say that to myself. But then I also snap myself out of it by saying exactly what I just said. It's like, yo, look at your track record. You know, look at your track record. Look at what you've done. You know, you are your own, you are your own judge. You look in the mirror, you look at yourself and be like, yo, I can do this. You know what I mean? I, uh, I've been on, on the Clubhouse app, uh, not to give them any promo like nobody really wants to do, but I've been on that app and I've been just like listening, listening on certain rooms and just knowing that it's a lot of people who are talking through their imposter syndrome. Like, and yeah. it's like, it's funny, it's funny to see, but I would just always encourage people to just know, know what you're good at and fully take advantage of that. I mean, like, because if you're worrying about what the, what the, what the next man might say or what the next woman might do, you know, you're going to, you're going to completely, you're going to shoot yourself in the thigh. So like, you know, imposter syndrome, I think it's going to, it hits everybody differently. Um, but you know, as long as you don't let it win, um, that's true. I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying my best not to like, you know, let all this time pass by while I'm at the label and not be able to contribute more than just what my title says. Exactly. Even though I know, I know for a fact that I can contribute in way bigger ways, which is why I love my, my, my boss because she, she instills that confidence in me and some of the other younger members of the team. And so she, she, she'll call us on, 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 on Zoom and tell us like, yo, guys, you guys are the youth of the, our label. We need y'all. I know you guys are going to grow and grow and grow. And just hearing that from her with all her accomplishments and her being able to walk up in any room and be this, uh, like the center of attention for her to say that to me, somebody who's only been in the game for a year in a sense, you know, it's, it's inspiring. So it's you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hold on to those moments more than anything. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of how I, I, I would, you know, approach right. that. Well, Amon, how do you deal with it? Well, first I, I want to thank Kojo for sharing that, that, that very yeah, yeah, personal yeah. information. Uh, yeah. yeah. With I've us. never said that to anybody on on a public platform. <laughs> yeah, but that just again it shows how confident you are, and it also shows how wide open the music industry is. Because like I'll I'll speak on, you know, I, I don't like I think the lessons I gained at Cornell and like the work ethic I gained has helped me, but I don't think my degree has really opened any doors for me yet mm-hmm. when it comes to music. At, at the end of the day, it's it's what you know, who you know, and how hard you work, and how right. hard you work is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer your question, Nick, regarding imposter syndrome, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it it's really gotten to me. Like I've I've always been a very very confident person, but I also acknowledge that a lot of my confidence is projection, or it's me overcompensating for the insecurities that I have. Um, so I might I might come out and say, yo, like I'm that I'm I'm, I'm that you know what I'm saying, but like on the inside, I'm, I'm kind of doubting myself often. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like I, I know how hard I've worked to get here. I, I haven't taken any shortcuts. I haven't really gotten any handouts. And like, you know, it's crazy this past week, I feel like I picked up my first mentee in journalism. Uh, this is dude, this, uh, this dude, uh, yeah, he's, he's really, really cool. Um, I'm, 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 I hope to bring him on the show at some point, but uh, he, he reached out to me. He asked me to jump on a Zoom call. And like, uh, he's the one who told me that they talked about my Bryson Tiller article in, in his college English class. I was wow. like, oh, wow, bro. Like, that's, that's crazy. Like that's, that's really, really wild to hear. And so like moments like that, where a college senior one has the courage to reach out to me, like you give me my flowers and then, you know, like kind of interviews me and I'm able to share my insight. I'm like, yo, at 25, 
it is a kid four years younger than me who, who wants my insight on this. Like that, 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 that means wow. something that, that means that I must be doing something right. And um, it's, it's very intrinsic. Like at the end of the day, you got to have a lot of internal conversations with yourself and say, yourself, like, you deserve this. You work for this. It's not like, yes, you might've gotten lucky, but like th- th- there's a reason that, that you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, it still gets to me. And like, I, I, I know I'm, I'm one of the best writers in the game. Like hands yes, down. It's just what it is. Like I, I know I'm one of the best writers in the game, but because I know that I hold myself to a very high standard and I feel like I always got to level up again. So sometimes if you don't hit it, you feel like oh, I'm falling off or whatever, but it's, it's just a continual effort. Yo, Armand, you know when I knew he was really good? Like, I knew he was good when, when he did the Brent Fry-ass piece. I said, nah, this boy's different. <laughs> like, I was like, nah, nah, nah. nobody writes like that. I've never read nothing like that. So, like, I was like, nah, I, had, I, I, I definitely hit you. I always hit you, but you I did. definitely hit you with that. And I was like, yo, nah, this, this, this joint is crazy. So I'm glad that you're able to, like, get them flowers, and we're going to keep giving you your flowers as long exactly. as, as long as, you, as long as you're doing what you got to do. I'm here to, you know, let you know that. Thank sure. you, bro. Nick, how, how do you handle imposter syndrome? You know what's funny? I've only I've only really felt it being on Clubhouse in certain rooms where like I've been <laughs> asked to speak. Oh, where man. I'm just like, y'all really want my opinion on this. Meanwhile, everyone in the room could really like really answer this question, but my opinion was asked. Mm-hmm. Um and I've I've had moments where I guess I haven't even recognized it as imposter syndrome but it's more like i've just always relegated it to being nervousness which i think obviously imposter syndrome has an element of nervousness to it because it's an uneasiness about feeling whatever you got to say is like not important or you don't you know you're inadequate don't deserve to put your opinion out in front and so i feel like those have been the really the real true instances because you know I, i would say in a lot of ways i was always taught and brought up to be confident believe in yourself speak up for yourself because who else gonna do it mm-hmm. if not you and that's kind of what my parents have instilled in me and that's the way I've sort of uh let tried to lead my life in that way and I think when those doubts do come I I really fight aggressively to push doubt out of my head because I I don't want to live in that space of fear and doubt because I feel like there's fear and doubt when you let fear and doubt rule there's no love there's no peace in your head and I need I want to live in peace. I want to walk in peace. I want to be at at ease with everything I do. And so when those moments of those waves of doubt or waves of fear try to, you know, come into my head, sometimes I I do wrestle with them and I do, I try to say, well, where's this coming from? You know what I'm saying? Why do I feel like I'm not adequate to speak in this room? Is it what someone would deem accomplishments on paper? And then you have to look about yourself and say, Nick, you've been doing this your entire life. You've been playing music for since you were four years old you've been doing this you've been on stages you've been acting you've been like you've done these things right so you have something to say you have something to contribute regardless for what what, quote-unquote what level it's been or who you've done it for who you've done it with and the recognition of that and so I think it's oftentimes a lot of people who may not have those resume bullet points you know that they want to have yet that are coming y'all they're loading you know believe in yourself they feel as if they're because they're not there that it's an acceptance thing. I think it's external from that standpoint. You want people to validate and say that like, Oh, that person's lit. They dope. They do things. And then also it's the internal thing is the same, like, well, maybe I haven't done it yet. And so 
I really try to when it do when it does come around and that doubt and unbelief comes around, I I try to push it out. But in those moments where I do sit with it and say, like, where is it coming from? I have to remind myself that like it's a journey, it's a process, it's it's a lifelong journey, and that those moments will come. There were people give that external well those those moments that speak for themselves where you don't have to go in the room and it speaks for you. And I think also a lot more things speak for you than your resume. I mean, oftentimes you hear people say this resume speaks for itself. It's like, we're not even going to mention all the things that they're doing, but if you're a good person, you work hard, you're creative, you bring your ideas to the table. I think that that's more important. Like you said. So I do wrestle with those thoughts sometimes. Yeah. Um, so I kind of have an interesting question I want to get into, and this is for all of us to kind of tackle together, you know, stay busy, responsible podcast. We're, we're here to have responsible discussions, to educate, to learn, to teach a little bit. Right. Nick, Nick has been making music his entire life. He's a student of the game, songwriter, producer, Kojo, you, you have a very responsible ear. You, you listen to a lot of stuff. You're, you're very opinionated. You articulate yourself extremely well. Me, writer, journalist, all that. We don't got to get into me. And yeah. so, you know, we're, we're trying to cultivate this community through Stay Busy where people are more responsible. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of music listeners, fans, consumers, Twitter analysts who don't want to be responsible. And there are a lot of, we all, I, I'm sure we all get into a lot of frustrating conversations where someone wants to debate music, but they really just want to hear themselves. They, they just want to be right. And then and they're not really listening. And, you know, us as responsible people who, who, who study the game, like, like, like we really know a lot. We have a lot of information to offer and we're still learning. We're not perfect. Right. Like on the one hand, we can take that responsible side. But on the other hand, sometimes, and I'll, I'll speak for myself, like I just begin to, I, I, I just be like, yo, no, like just no, like <laughs> no. And, and so I'm trying to find that balance to where I have those insightful conversations and, and, and I'm, I'm a little more gentle but also sometimes just like shutting down nonsense. So how do you guys balance, again, having so much knowledge, like actually having real facts, real things to offer to the conversation, dealing with someone who just wants to spit out narrative and speculate and troll? Like, yeah, yeah, low key, I don't even, I don't even have, I don't even balance it out. I just, I stay, the, I stay the course. Like, I think yeah. as long as I, if I can go to sleep knowing that I kept it real and like I, I stated the facts mm-hmm. and I was I was like rational and you know I, I I really was like an objective person and things like that, I'll be completely fine. For me, there's no need to engage with somebody on or stoop to their level. You know, Michelle Obama, they go low, we go high. Like yeah. that's, that's my vibe. Like I, I I don't mind just keeping it strictly facts and keeping it strictly responsible. There's no need for me to go to that other level honestly like especially when it comes to like twitter and stuff like that because yeah. twitter is twitter you gotta learn you that's a that's a that's a app that you kind of gotta learn how to just like let go and let god because some people just, some <laughs> yeah. people just tweet they just tweet because they can you know what i'm saying yeah. like some of them don't even really believe what they're doing so like there's no exactly. need for me to like let somebody infuriate me like oh no you're, you're not like state the facts and keep it pushing yeah my one i think of one clubhouse <laughs> but another thing that would immediately came to mind was this 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 verse that says don't cast your pearls before swine and i think it's the idea of that i think it's when you notice to read the room to say like oh people in here just having irresponsible discussions about things they're just saying things like you can't even sometimes meet people at a certain level with that like yeah i can go into like i mean i've had these conversations where i'm in rooms people where 
we're talking and this person's using extra big words to try to make them sound so more smart, but your point is not any more illogical, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, uh, right, any right. more logical with you using those words. But, uh, and so you start to realize, I think like it's all about the audience and who you're speaking to. And I think for me, I'm very confident or comfortable with being the person in the room that has something to say that won't say it if the room is not going to receive it in the way that I know there is. Not from the standpoint of like agreeing with me, but from the standpoint of like, can we even have productive discussion? Yeah. Can we put? Are they going to be receptive to the? Yeah. Are we can we, can we even you know if y'all are talking about top five and you're just saying things and you know and and being problematic or saying things to just get reaction or whatever we're doing i hate i hate top five conversations just personally but like and these i was just using those as an example but these sort of conversations where people don't come and do their research or don't have anything you say show your work and you like well it's just that way you say well what are we talking about here what are we doing what are we really doing we're not we're not moving anything and so those are the rooms and the conversations where i just you know i say all right you know y'all do what y'all do I'll be responsible. I have a whole take in my head ready to go, but <laughs> it just is what it is. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I just want to get insight on that. Um, so back to you, Kojo, uh, in, in, with working with artists being creative, um, how do you advise artists and creators to approach their design as, as part of their rollouts? And who, who are some people you can identify that are doing a really good job with besides yourself? <laughs> yeah, um, so, speaking to the artists like you're asking me what like what advice i would give them to necessarily yes. like roll out roll out a record or something like that so far as design though like how you from your angle when you're incorporating that visual element because i think design is very strong with the visuals mm-hmm. obviously but like yeah. uh, how do you you know approach that when you're advising artists you know and consulting in a sense like hey this is how you should do your design this is who you are this is what story you want to tell how do you approach that yeah so those are all questions that are always asked like uh, i'm working with joeville really close with his new mixtape that just dropped um you know he his project is called colored dream so once once i have a conversation with joeville and i, I find out things that he likes and like what are his benefits what, what, what he benefits from what he what he hates what he doesn't like i let him know what i think is best the conversation starts there. Like if what I, if they trust me enough to listen to me, I think that's when I could take it to, okay, you should approach it this way. And I like working with people who are receptive to information like you were just talking about. So like um, most of the artists that I, I, I work with personally now, they, they now know, okay, Kojo is head creative here. So he knows what he's talking about. Um, and um, yeah. it's not like a follow my lead thing. Cause I always want to give them space. So like, I'll let Joe, I let Joeville do his own photo shoot. I say, yo, bro, do your own photo shoot. Do it on, on, do it on iPhone if you have to. Just give me the pictures and I'll do the rest. And that's exactly what he did. So if you look at his mixtape cover, you know, it would look, it looks like it's some super creative that I think, but those are two pictures from my iPhone. And then, you know what I mean? I just did what I had to do, but he trusted me. And, you know, that's usually how I work with all my artists. Uh, with Hennessy, same thing. Uh, Lauren, you know Hennessy. Like Hennessy, Hennessy's mind. Hennessy's mind. She has the look that she wants to go with. So she don't even really let me do anything but the small little hints here and there. Because she has her photographer, she has her mood, she has her style, and I just add those touches that she knows that I, I I'm good at. So you know, it also depends on who you're working with. Um, but I do like I do like people who trust me. So I can't really work with people who don't. Um, yeah. And a lot of people, they'll see your name and be like, I don't really trust him, but they said he's popping. So I got, I'm, I'm fucking him. Nah, like, I can't. That That's never really a good working relationship. Um, but I'd always advise artists to just do exactly what they want because at the end of the day, yes, 
artwork is important and the rollout is important, but make sure your music is good. Like, let us do our job. <laughs> let us do our job. Like, okay, give me the pictures and tell me what colors you like. Let me do my job and you do yours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, to close off, we want to kind of speak about legacy. Um, so what do you want your kids to say their father stood for? Yeesh. <laughs> Asking the tough questions though, Steve. All right. um, you know the vibes. Responsible. You know the vibes. Yeah, I, I appreciate y'all so much. Um, yeah, I definitely want my kids to first and foremost know that their dad was a hard working man, first and foremost. I definitely put that first. Um, but the legacy that I want to leave is, you know, I put my all behind everything that I did. So there was nothing that I did that I half assed. And I still to this day don't. I can't half-ass anything. And not even if it's anything that I do, but anything that my name is attached to. So exactly. with you guys being a podcast that I listen to every week, I will never let y'all half-ass. That's how I, I will hit I will hit Armand <laughs> on the side and be like, yo, bro, I think XYZ Digital, just to see the betterment, the betterment of your of your platform. Yes. I do that for LaShawn at, at What's a Good Guy. I do that for John at, at, at Imaginary Players. I do that for Rain, who is my best friend who makes music. I do that for everybody who I consider to be a part of my my reach, you know what I'm saying? And that's a part of, that's what I want my kids to know is that as a, as a father, I won't, I won't half-ass anything with them. I'll be the best father that I possibly know how to, you know what I'm saying? And that's because I come from that. My parents have been married for 30 years now. Wow. I watched the way my Wonderful. dad worked and sacrificed. So those, those morals that he instilled in this household are the same things I want to carry on to my, and carry on with my family and my kids. But those morals, are, I, I, when I was younger, I used to not appreciate what my dad used to say and, and tell me and things like that. But then I realized, like, everything that this guy was telling me at the dinner table when I was doing my work in elementary school is the same shit I'd be telling my, like, all my friends, like, yo, do things with a purpose, bro. Like, yeah. that's the, my father used to beat that in my head all the time. Like, yo, do things with a purpose. Just if I would write my name sloppy, he's like, yo, what is that? Like, so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my kids to know that, like, there's no half-assing with me, so there should be no half-assing with this family. And this family is not just who's related by blood, but who you consider to be family, whether that's your close friends, your co-workers, all that. So, yes. and we don't have fast on this side. Oh, profound. Oh. Profound. Ladies and gentlemen, Kojo Dazi. <laughs> yes. Our honorary Busy Boy, Stay Busy alum. Yes, sir. Employee of the week. Man, thank yes, you again so much for pulling up to the podcast. Um, it, it's, it, it's an honor to consider you a friend, a good brother in, in, in this shit that we do. Um, I'm, I'm always proud to see the work you put out. I'm always excited to read your opinions, even when I disagree. And I'm glad you and I agree that Neo beat Jante Austin. Let's jump Nick again. Neo beat Jante. Neo beat Jante. It wasn't a blowout, but it was, it was close. It was close, but I think Neo, I think Neo got that. How are y'all going to put that at the end of the episode? I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. (laughs) Neo beat Jante? Yeah, yeah, slightly, slightly, slightly. These are the facts. Dante has the highest selling R&B song of all time. That's 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 one one round of of verses. Twenty rounds, brother. Come on. What you mean? That's one round. Come on. That's the Ace of Spades. But that's one round still. And and you know why I think Neil for me got more points uh, or. I gave him more rounds. It's because he was using his records too. Like but, I think but that this, to me, the that, like like also not the point. Like there was a songwriting battle, and he's over yeah, here playing his own. But, and, and his right. pen was elite on the song. Right. But, but Jante's also an artist, and Jante yeah. played his stuff. Yeah, I like but, his uh, his his, uh, his stuff on you. Can, you can get it all with Bow Wow. That's my shit. 
(laughs) (laughs) This is my guy. This is my guy. Yo, amazing episode. (laughs) Season two, episode 10. We were, yes, yes, Nick, Neo. We we were blessed once again to have Kojo Kojo again. Thank you so much, man. You're, you're, uh, I'm, I'm, anytime, man. There's, there's still a month and a half left of 2020, so I'm excited to see what else you're going to do. It's probably going to be something crazy. We'll see, man. We'll see. Uh, we got shit on the way, man. We got shit on the way, man. Okay. Sweet, sweet. Listeners, I hope y'all have a happy, a safe, a healthy Thanksgiving. Wear your mask. These COVID numbers are going up. We want them to go down. I want to be at a concert in summer 2021. Probably not realistic, but hey. A man can dream. Well, Rolling Loud got announced for for May 2021. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, anything is possible. But I don't know if I'm going down to Miami. Miami's wild. <laughs> Miami a little wild right now. Please, bro. Whew. That said, ladies and gentlemen, wear your mask. Stay safe. Stay humble. Stay busy. Baby girl, baby girl, how you feeling? I've been out in the world, staying busy, taking time, getting right. If you miss me.